2: Well, uh, first of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the state of Louisville network. Not the episode we were hoping to have following Louisville's, uh, bowl performance against air force, or I should say the matchup against air force and the, uh, first responders bowl. But, uh, here we are on the other side of the seventh loss of the season. So that means our seventh podcast of the year coming off of a loss. I'm Jacob Lane. He's Matt McGavick. No Vincent Lacoco joining us today. Uh, instead we'll be joined by our good friend of the Courier journal, Cam Teague, who uh, went down to Dallas and covered the cards down there. But, uh,
0: Man, it, uh, it was certainly rough, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, I'm just glad I didn't make the trip to Dallas. I know when the bowl matchup was first announced, first thing I did was go to Expedia, Southwest, Delta, all those places, check out plane tickets. And then when I saw the $500 minimum for the day after Christmas to, to Dallas, I was just like, eh, non-New Year's Six Bowl. I think I'll sit this this, sit this one out. Well, it uh, seems like I made the right decision now, didn't I, Jacob? <laughs>
2: You, you definitely did in terms of if you wanted to go and cover a game in which, in which Louisville won. I mean, hell, you would have gotten a good game down there, you know, from a, a media standpoint. Now, you certainly missed out on the Dukes Mayo Bowl with the waffle bar. I know you were really eyeing that press, but you
0: were like, how can I go? Cover oh, my God. I saw that Louisville picture posted. There. Now, let me just say that the Dukes Mayo Bowl at Twitter is always undefeated, even to their days when it was the Belk Bowl. But seeing that media bar with the waffles and all the fixings with it. Oh, my God. I, I needed that in my life
2: yeah it's been an interesting bowl season i know it's kind of not the topic of the day here, as is we're going to talk about air force uh here shortly but uh i mean between um the the playoff games and and some of these these just kind of like far out there bowls that you would never uh, expect to do anything in terms of an entertainment value and then you have the games being canceled it's been it's been an interesting bowl season that's for sure uh but louisville definitely not one of those teams that's soaking up the interestingness because uh they uh they, they ran into an Air Force team that uh, threw the football. What a surprise. Who saw that coming,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. As ironic as it sounds, Air Force did exactly what their name implies. <laughs> exactly. Aired it out against Louisville, depleted secondary. We're going to get on to, uh, into
2: all of that here shortly as we welcome uh, Cameron Teague on uh, as always, I'll say this now before we get to the end of the podcast uh, as we're, we're going to transition here into a little bit of a, a break before Cam comes on. But be sure to follow this guy at Matt uh, underscore McGavick. Be sure to check out the Louisville report, Sports Illustrated, all the great work that Matt's done there, even while in the mountains covering Louisville recruiting. Uh, and then, of course, check out Louisville.com and the uh, State of Louisville podcast here. All right. Joining us now, the man himself in the Courage Journal, Cam uh, Robinson, Cam Teague Robinson. I always want to throw the Robinson before the Teague. How many people, how many people do that to you? Is it just me or is it people always
1: trying to kind of remember the order of your name? No, it's just you. Most people back home usually just call me Teague because uh, I played soccer most of my life. And I played with like the same group of guys. We had, it was crazy. We all went to the same high school. We had 12 seniors my senior year of high school. Um, But we had three Camerons. So everybody, we all had to find different ways to be called Cameron. Yeah. So, well, I'm people, all, no, well, that I don't makes more sense. Then.
2: Matt will tell yeah. you, I mess up names more than anybody around here. So, you he know, knows. that's why I, that's why I'm not the journalist of the crew here. But first
1: off, let's start with uh, Pleasantries. How
2: was Dallas and uh, how was your new year? Uh,
1: it was good. It was good. Dallas was good. Tried to kind of really just stay safe out of, out of the COVID Omicron, I, um, yeah. and new, new Year's was good. Um, just kind of chill again. Same thing. I did, I mean, literally laid on the couch with my girlfriend and watch movies. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, that sounds chill. like a
0: chill New Year's right there. I mean, yeah, I mean no, other, no other way to do it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. All right, well, All right. let's
2: dive in here. Let's talk football.
0: Yeah, I'm down. Now obviously we know everything happened 31, 28 air force. Louisville tried to make it interesting late, obviously fell short. How much of it in the grand scheme of things, was Air Force's success versus maybe Louisville not having the correct game plan or Louisville simply not executing?
1: Um I think it was Air Force having a smart plan. I mean if you really look at it, they had the idea of throwing at the backups. I mean they threw at Trey Franklin, they threw at Rance Connor on third and 14, they threw at Josh Minkins on fourth and sixth or whatever it was. And I think they executed pretty well and Louisville was in a tough spot. Like you can't really run zone against a team like Air Force because you won't stop the run at all. You have to run man. So it puts you in a position where your outside corners just have to play. You have to be able to play. And your, your safeties have to be in a position to, to make plays as well. So, I, I mean, you're looking at it. I mean, if they just had Greedy, you probably win that game. If they, even if they didn't have Greedy, if they just had uh, Ken Duncan, you probably win that game. So I think it's partly Air, Air Force's plan. I also think just Louisville didn't execute well. I mean, that fourth and six, uh, I, I know for sure from talking with some of the staff that, I mean, Louisville what, didn't go out there. They played zone, which I thought was a good adjustment. They didn't go out there and tell the corners to give them 10 yards of space. That's just not what they did. Josh, Josh is just didn't execute the play, wasn't sitting at the sticks, and they got a seven-yard uh, pass for it. So a lot of it comes down to Air Force uh, playing well, uh, making, the, making the plays when they needed to, and then on the other side is execution for Louisville. You, you, when you're in a position, you got to make plays, um, and, and that, that just didn't happen likely again because you have a lot of guys who just hadn't played a lot of football out there.
2: Yeah, on the offensive side of things, I mean, you, you really expected Louisville to kind of come out strong with uh, as much time as they had off, uh, but that was not the case. They came out and kind of laid that uh, an egg, really. Uh, and I found it interesting. I don't know if you guys heard this, Matt. Obviously, I know you were in town, not in Dallas, but the, the broadcast was calling the fact out that, that Satterfield was running a game plan that was pretty much what Air Force sees daily in practice to kind of get going there. Uh, but regardless, why do you think they went to the ground so much early? And, and do you think there's a different outcome if they try to go through the air more and attack some of those weak spots in Air
1: Force's defense? Well, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think that like the, the game plans are switched. You know, you thought Air Force Air Force would run the ball. You thought Louisville would throw the ball. Louisville just didn't have receivers out there. I mean, I, they just they just didn't have the guys. I thought. I mean, honestly, I thought as the game went on, I thought their best plan was to run the ball. Uh, they ran for 200 yards. Trayvon Cooley looked good. Jaward Jordan looked good. I would have ran the ball more. Um, I just don't think they got in a rhythm, and then they got down. Um, and when you get down against a team like Air Force, it's really hard to come back. The thing about Louisville's offense is, well, just in general, the when the offense stalls, the defense gets stopped. When the defense is bad, the offense scores. They never put it together. I mean, you look come out in the second half, and I remember saying to somebody, Louisville's defense just needs three stops. I don't think Air Force is going to stop them running the ball. Louisville's defense got three stops, but the offense couldn't do it. I mean, early, and then when the offense got going, the defense couldn't So they just couldn't put it together on both sides of the ball. But I liked what you saw from the round game. I thought Trey and Cooley looked great. Um, they just couldn't do anything in the air, I think, partly because they didn't have any receivers. I just, the guy again, the guys that were out there just weren't very good. I don't think, other than probably Ty uh, Tyler Harrell, that yeah, on that day,
0: and kind of going back to that run game, obviously, Cooley saw the bulk of the snaps there with the news that Mitchell, I, I believe, it was tested positive for COVID or something right. along those lines yeah. before the game, but then Jawar Jordan sees. Pretty much his first meaningful snaps all season because he joined the he joined the program in fall camp, battled a little bit of injuries, saw a little bit of action towards the tail end of the regular season, and uh, he didn't finish with a like a gaudy stat line or anything, but he looked really good in the limited time that he saw and essentially kept the game somewhat alive for Louisville. Uh, Louisville obviously has a lot of experience in the running back room coming back. He got... Mitchell, Cooley, presumably coming back. Tion Evans coming in, and then we got Jawar Jordan. Where do you where do you even see him fitting in next year in, in in this crowded room?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I was thinking that during the bowl game, I was like, I don't know where that what bowl does it with all these guys. I think Trayvon Cooley's definitely. I think Trayvon Cooley maybe number running back number one if he stays. I think yeah. he just does so much for them right now, both in the passing game and running game. Um, he has to be on the field more than anybody else. Jouard Jordan makes it interesting because I think everybody thought Devon Mortimer, the receiver, would come in and be kind of a special teams guy. But Jawar Jordan is really explosive on that kick return. I mean, I, I think he has a chance to – even if he doesn't get the carries that maybe some people might think he can get, he can fit that Hassan Hall role where he's the big explosive kick return punt return and comes in and, and is a change of pace back. Um, and then you have Tywan Evans. I think he has to get healthy before you really know where he fits in that running back room. But um, And then Jalen Mitchell. Um, Jalen Mitchell is kind of that power back. I just – I don't think he can do as much. At, there's just not as much upside of him as there is with Cooley and and um, Jawar and maybe an even Tottenham So, I think it's a good problem to have when you have four backs. Darrell Sims is just going to have to figure out how they want to divvy up um, snaps because in the year – the era of the transfer portal, people are going to dip out if they don't get the snaps they want very quickly. So, um, but I, I think the Air Force game put it very, very simple. trigon Cooley is your running back number one until he decides to leave uh to go potentially to the NFL or leave Louisville. He he is your
0: guy. And 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't at least bring this up. I mean, we we say all this presumably thinking that Cooley is going to return, but right. We see all the cryptic tweets on Twitter of him possibly alluding to him leaving, entering the transfer portal. Yeah. Based on what you've heard or just have knowledge of the situation, do you believe Cooley does return? Oh.
1: I have no clue. I don't. Everybody I talk to has no clue. So <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> well, think in that. the era of transfer portal stuff, things change so quickly. Um, I, I think that somebody could be satisfied and and set where they are at one point, and then they could get somebody gets in the ear the next day, and they're like, "Okay, I want to be in the portal." So I think it's interesting. Jonathan Knight just left NC State, so there's technically a hole there. Running back, if he wanted to go to NC State, kind of go back home, but um i honestly man i can see all his tweets sometimes i feel like oh he's staying sometimes i feel like he's leaving so um i wouldn't i'll say i wouldn't be shocked if he left i wouldn't be surprised if he came back um yep. but i think regardless and i i think regardless if he comes back he's your number one back if he leaves i still think you feel pretty good about what you have in the running back room yeah. with mitchell um Duar jordan and Tywan evans you probably go get <laughs> one more in the transfer portal if he leaves but it would suck if, if Cooley left, but you still feel pretty good about what you have behind him.
2: I think the lesson we can all learn from this Trevion Cooley thing is sometimes the Kodak Black lyrics just hit a different way, man. Like sometimes you just gotta. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean anything, Louisville fans.
1: It just means he's vibing with Kodak Black. That's all. Man, I mean, that, right? I just know, gotta let go. that. Right, the thing is, there's a lot of fans who really don't know <laughs> lyrics like that, so they're like, yep. "What does this mean?" I'm not even going to
2: sit here and act like I knew. I mean, I send these tweets to Matt and I'm like, what's this? And Matt's like, I don't know. And then finally somebody comes in and they're like, it's a Kodak Black lyric. I'm like, (laughs) all right, well, it shows that we are two washed grown adults here. So, uh, (laughs) but the Jawar Jordan thing is interesting. And another fact from the broadcast that I don't know, Cam, if you caught, if you've watched the game back, but they mentioned that Jawar Jordan was actually going to leave Louisville after the Duke game. I don't know if you all were privy to that or knew, but that he had planned to transfer. Um from Louisville, but the, the coaching staff had talked him into staying um prior to the Kentucky game and then obviously got the opportunity in the bowl game. Um, yeah. so it's just interesting. And, and on our show, the last couple of weeks, Vincent Lacoco former um Louisville football player, has talked a lot about the unpredictability of who steps up in bowl games and yeah. players coming out of nowhere like Devonte Pete and came pass in 2019. Yeah. monte yeah. caban Gary McRae made big plays in that game. And in this game, it was Jawar Jordan. Uh, were you su- surprised by that at all? I mean, you've seen in practice, you've seen him be able to kind of play, but were were you surprised that he was able to just kind of step in there and
1: at least from a special team standpoint, be able yeah. to do that? I thought when he got here, he had a chance to impact, be an impact guy right away. And then a few practices I saw, like, I think that were open. And he didn't look like he did anything. I know he got, he was getting chewed out in the very, very first practice. Oh first yeah. Practice Louisville. I, I, and then even the other practice, he didn't really look great. So I was like, man, he's he's probably, I thought he was, third maybe fourth on the on the um running back group and this is after he signed the hall up I thought he's probably behind Berkeley but he just has such an upside that guys like Berkeley and and Jalen Mitchell don't have but you have to get them on the field I, I thought my biggest thing going into bowl game was who would do kick returns and punt, punt returns I didn't my first name that came in my head was Josh Johnson I didn't think it'd be George Jordan but I think he found a way to um solidify himself somewhere on this roster next year um, because of his bowl bowl performance, and like you like you said, like Vincent said, I mean, somebody always steps up in bowl games, and it's always yeah. somebody you don't hear, you didn't know about. So um, that that was big for him.
2: Yeah, maybe you could see him, um, you know, potentially fill a role like Corvin Lamb did for Louisville in the mid, you know, teens two thousand teens as a, as a depth back who was a dynamic special teams returner. I mean, that's uh, you forget about those kind of things when guys aren't getting carries or getting catches that they can contribute in other places. Um, and stay happy. So it was great to see that. Uh, Let's move on here. I know there was a lot of outside factors that played into the outcome of this game, Um, even with the score still being so close at the end. They had a lot of guys out, just a lot of different things happening. But um, how much do you put on Sat and the staff for them not being able to pull out a victory here? I mean, I, I know that there was the goal line situations, which Sat talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, when Sat explains things to me or to, to the media, like I, I can understand where he's coming from a lot of the times. The goal line situation, they had run that play. They felt good if they could just hurry up and get the ball snapped. But to the outside eye who hears these things explained over and over again, yeah. it, it, it causes for people to question, okay, do you do you really know how to execute as a coach late in games?
1: Yeah, no, the, the red zone snap, uh, it confused me. I I thought I just don't like run the same play twice, even if it's at tempo. I, I just I just don't like that. I know Louisville is having suffer run the ball, but to me, and I said look at Michael McCammon right after that play, I said, Louisville has had so much success in the red zone on that like play action slip route to march on forward. You're at an inch line. You just ran the ball inside. You you have to know if they're gonna try to pinch and try to try to attack the run game again. If you play action, that's a touchdown. I, Again, this is hindsight, but I feel like that's just a play that like most people kind of expect there. Um, I think again, I mean I thought there was some, some questions stuff down down the stretch, timeouts, but it's also, I mean, I, I think it's 50-50. It also comes down to players making plays when you're in a position to make a play. I mean, listen, I, I'm not saying Rance Connor is a starter. I'm not saying Rance Connor should be really at fault. This is just one play that sticks out to me. It's third and fourteen or third and sixteen, whatever it was, in the fourth quarter. And it's kind of gets beat, it's relatively good coverage. Well, obviously it makes a play, but you need your guy to make a play in that situation. Fourth and six, Josh Mingus. you need Josh Mingus to make a play in that situation. The coaches can put you in a position, but the players have to make plays. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think there's times where Brian Brown could have brought more pressure. I think that third, 14th probably is a good, good, good example of that. So I think it's a little bit of both. Both coaches need to make better decisions, especially late in games and players need to make plays um, to turn those around. So, You look at games like that; they come down to three or four plays. If those three or four plays, if even two of those plays go your way, way, you're you're in a good spot. If for three of those plays, a player doesn't make a play, and the other play you make a bad coaching decision, that's where that's when you end up six and seven.
0: Yeah. Right. And, and even though the play sequence was a little bit different, uh, it reminded me of what happened in the end of that Clemson game. I know they tried a couple of pass plays there, whereas in this instance, they tried running it a lot more. But in essence, I mean, that sequence there was a microcosm of Louisville's season as a whole. And I, yeah. and and, I know Satterfield said it ad nauseum at this point that fans don't want to hear, it, but the amount of times Louisville was this close or like one or two plays away from turning a six and seven record to potentially, nine and four or something like that it, the, the the margin for error is insanely slim right
1: right and that's for, for me it comes down to this i mean you look at the red zone that third down play terrific play call i think Trayvon cooley probably scores if he doesn't get tripped the defensive lineman just grabs his ankle i think he scores if he doesn't get tripped but you you combat that great play call with a bad play call and i think that's where little is at they, they they don't have no 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 room for error no room for a bad play call, no room for somebody making a executing poorly. Louisville has to make those plays um, and make those coaching, coaching calls on, on down the stretch. It's just what's really killed the season the last two years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. And then, and I know there's a lot at fault on both offense and defense, but I think we also need to bring up the kicking That's game as well. Terrible. Yeah. It, it was, both, it was horrible
1: punting and kicking is awful right now.
0: I know. And, they, I and mean, they, they haven't
1: been good punting for deep for three years.
0: And it, it James Turner entered the season with such high promise because he had such a, a relatively decent freshman campaign and he was so up and down over the regular season and he finished the season just awful to the point where Satterfield actually benched him in favor of Brock Travelstead. I mean, you, you look at the roster right now and it seems like there's no real option of a place kicker right now. I mean, it, it looks like it might be Brock Travelstead now, but um, who knows? I mean, where, 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 what do you think of Louisville's overall kicking situation as all well, both that place kicker and punter? Because even though yeah. Mark Vazett is a quote-unquote true freshman, I mean, he's a 27-year-old. You'd think yeah. he'd be able to put the ball 40-plus yards down the field and with accuracy on a more consistent basis.
1: Yeah, he struggled at times this year. I mean, more t- more times than not. Uh, and James Turner, I don't think Turner, James Turner ever recovered after Virginia loss. Uh, when he missed that kick against Virginia, it just seemed like the whole year went downhill. Early. I thought he was good against Wake Forest. He missed maybe one kick there. Um and then obviously missed 250 yards last year, but I don't think mentally he ever recovered after the Virginia game. And kicking is a very mental game. Oh, yeah. You know, your feet have to be in the right place, but it's mainly just it's mainly just can I even go out here and make this kick? And it comes and you've had games come down and just miss kicks by James Turner. And like you said, probably, probably Brock Travel said right now, I think they'll work, they'll figure it out this offseason. Kicking, but kicker is also a position where just like James Turner was, you can go get a walk on and work them out and if they're good no one has ever heard no one even knew you brought them on the roster so they may have a kicker in the fall that we never knew they put on the roster that will start next season so um i think the most important and it's hard for me to say like what's the most important coaching position and i'm sure you guys are going to get into this later in the podcast but it has to be special teams coordinator Uh, they have just been horrible and it's changed games you can't win field position battles you would whoever they get at special teams coordinator, or whoever they get, and then maybe they may they just make it a position, go to set up a coordinator, whatever. Um, I, I think that's huge for them, uh, going forward,
0: yeah. And and, and I hate to kind of uh, sort of crap on, on someone, but I think Stu Holt's departure for Louisville probably benefits Louisville because in that tight end room, who besides Marshawn Ford over the last three years has been an impact guy, yeah. I mean,
1: Melton's been okay, but other than that, yeah.
0: I mean the the field team position, the the field position, excuse me, has been an issue for a couple seasons now. I mean it was a huge point of emphasis in twenty twenty, probably secondary to the turnovers, and it it was by definition better this season, but it still isn't great. Right? No, I agree. I
1: agree. I mean I think if you flip a few field positions, you make a couple kicks, you got eight wins, and it's crazy. It's because that's how small things are for this team. You you catch a pass. You you don't overthrow a touchdown. You you make a field goal. You point 20 yards deeper and don't give the team the ball at the 40-yard line. It's, stuff, stuff like that completely changes the game. It sounds small, but yeah. it completely changes the season for a lot of teams.
2: All right, one group where Louisville should be relatively strong next year, at least at the very top, is the cornerback room. Uh, they get yesterday an official announcement from Cottrell Clark that he's returning back to Louisville for, um, I, what is it, his uh, senior season, I guess. It, I, I've lost track of the eligibility of players now with that COVID year in there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> where are you uh, – how big of a deal is that for the defense? And um, do you think that uh, we'll see potentially guys like Abdullah and Duncan follow, or uh, how do you
1: see the things kind of shaking out there? Yeah, I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure Ken Duncan's coming back. Um, I, I thought Kitra Tr- – Tr- Tr- Can't talk right now. K. Tr- <laughs> Clark was coming back. Um, I I didn't told that early in the year. Like I mean, like pretty soon after he got hurt, I was told he's coming mm-hmm. back. But you never know with the transfer portal because how crazy that can be sometimes. Um, but um, that's huge. And you don't all ACC uh, corners just don't pop up out of nowhere. Sorry, my washing machine is like freaking out. I don't know if you guys can hear that in the
0: background. No, I um, keep going. My
2: cat is running around the house like at full speed right now, gripping the floor. <laughs> so you might also hear that.
0: <laughs> See, this, this is why I decided to go take my dog over to my girlfriend so that I could prevent yeah. things like this. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, but I mean, all ACC corners just don't come out. They don't just You just don't get them out of the Johnson all the time. So um, that's huge for Louisville, especially after losing Greedy Vance. Now, here's the big thing. You have to keep Chandler Jones. I, I, I think unless you know you can go get a corner, I'm not saying Chandler Jones has been great. I, I did. I thought he was their third best corner this year. I thought Greedy was great for them. But unless you know, you can go get two guys who are going to be impact players right now. I think you probably have to keep. You have to find a way to keep Chandler on the roster. Um, I'm not super confident, as confident as I was coming out of the season in the cornerback room after losing Greedy. Yeah. But you have to go get. I mean, I think that and receiver are the two positions right now, and the defensive line. Um The three positions right now where you have to emphasize on the transfer portal. We have to get impact guys, not depth guys. Impact guys right away.
0: Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. No, go ahead, Matt.
0: And I know I know they kind of worked out Chandler Jones at safety a few times, and that so experiment ended sink. quickly. Yeah, yeah I know. So they're they're going to have to potentially find another person there, depending on like how the rest of the transfer portal shakes out, and like you said, receiver as well. All yeah, right, and. Then, and I,
2: Go ahead. Sorry, I keep wanting to cut Sorry. in here, but I'm going to let you all finish. I have news that I want to I want to break. Not I don't know if it's breaking, but I do want to
1: talk about something that's come out while we've been recording. So go ahead, Cam. Okay, yeah, I'll I, and, I, and I think I I think Kanai will be pretty good as well next year. I, he had a pretty good freshman year. I think he'll get more reps this next season as well. Um, he could have a typical kind of like greedy Vance jump type year um, in terms of the snaps he gets. But yeah, I still agree. I think you have to go get some some more guys out of the portal.
2: All right, two guys who I do not uh, believe will be back. One officially. The other one this is a little bit of a cryptic tw- uh, Instagram post here. But uh, while we've been recording, Quinterio Cole officially announces he's headed off to the NFL. I didn't think he had any eligibility, so I don't think that's a, that's a surprise there. The other one is Jack Fago taking to Instagram. to It looks like he has officially retired from football, uh, at least leaving the University of Louisville with a message. Um, I've got a couple of texts here that uh, are from Vince LaCoco, so I'm going to trust that one. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, I I know I know they were trying to get um, I think they were trying to get Q Cole waiver um, this uh, last this year, um, but I obviously I don't think that happened. Um, Pago, I, I I thought maybe had a chance to come back. I know he didn't do senior I'd not senior bowl stuff. I know he didn't do senior night, um, so I thought he had a chance to come back. Um, would have been a big help for them, um, but. Uh, I I think it's finally time for Marvin Dallas to find a way to step up and get get on the field. I I love Marvin Dallas, man. I think he's been a star on special teams. I I think he has a chance to be an impact guy next year. So it's not, Jack. don't get me wrong. I thought Jack played great all year. I thought better than he had the previous two years. I thought he thought at home, looked at home and outside linebacker, but I think Marvin Dallas will have a pretty good year next season. Now, you got, I mean, you brought in NJ Griffin already from Temple, but you need another safety out of Transporto as well. Um, but you also expect potentially um, Ben Perry or Josh Minkins to take a step forward next year as well. Satterfield seemed oh. pretty, co- go- golly, Matt, we're
2: just not on the same page. <laughs> this is what happens when you go to the mountains, dude. You go to the mountains and we just have lost all rhythm in this show. Go ahead.
0: Uh, no. no, I was actually about to take your question. So overall, Satterfield seemed pretty confident uh, in the ability to get things turned around. You know, one play here, two plays there like this close. I know fans don't want to hear it. But in reality, Louisville was, quote unquote, this close. How do you think they'll be able to get to the point of flipping some of these one score results to turn six wins and the nine into eight wins, nine wins? maybe even 10 wins let's just throw that possibility out there do you think year four is the year that centerfield finally starts to get over the hump in a lot of these really tight situations
1: yeah i mean i think so i mean you look at it in 2019 i guess is where i come come i think about this. a lot 2019 they had they won a lot of the strategic games i mean you know, the wake forest game was a big one um you, the boston college won on the game when they kicked by creaky I, but you had experience there I mean, you had – you had. I mean, Des and Tutu have been around for a while. You had some experience on the line, you experienced kicker. You had them – not great. You didn't have a lot of talent on defense, but you had experience there. Like, I mean, I don't know how many – they probably got – I don't know how many stops they got in crunch time. Probably wasn't many because they gave a lot of points. But you had experience there. I think that's what it comes down to. Now, I like, don't get me wrong. I think coaching, you have to make the right coaching play calls and decisions on the field. Um, but it comes down to experience, make, making the plays. You look at Trey Clark's pick against Florida State. That, that that's that's an experienced guy. Now, Jalen Alderman, I, I thought it's just a guy right place, right time. You you also need playmakers on the field, but I think the most important thing is experience on the field. They, they play a lot of freshmen and they they played, they they're trying to prepare them for these moments. Um, so you hope that experience pays off. Now the problem is Dree's gone, Jordan Watkins is gone. Those those are young guys who have been you've been working on to be ready for this year. Um Josh Minkins struggled a bit in the bowl game. So you, I think the biggest position where you have young guys with a lot of experience has got to be linebacker. I, the Monty Montgomery going down sucked for Louisville. It was the, they lost the playmaker guy who probably turns a couple of these games, but there's an upside that Jalen Alderman, Dorian Jones who looked really good this year, KJ Cloyd, they all have experience now coming in, knowing that CJ Avery's gone. You he, So that that's just ex- extra experience you're getting there. So um, Tyler Harrell, Mario Hopkins, Bruce. So, I think that's the most important thing for them is experience, being in these situations, knowing what you have to do, um, and not really thinking about it, just making a play and making and and trying to turn something to a positive. So that's a big thing. And then also, I think uh, the coaching staff has to learn from some of these small, uh, these these um, close losses and not overthink things because when you when losses pile up, you tend to overthink. You'd be like, oh, I did this last time and it didn't work, so I want to try something else. So um, I think that will be a key thing too.
0: And kind yeah. of piggybacking off of the coaching staff, I know we uh, Louisville's already had a couple guys uh, leaves. Stu Hole went over to Virginia Tech. Uh, Mike Seriano, the strength coach, he he was no longer with the program. And there's one more, Corey Dennison. That's right. Do you think there's going to be any other potential coaching staff changes made by Satterfield himself? Not necessarily guys like Believe. taking another job because that could happen at oh. the drop of the hat. Do you think Satterfield is done shape like letting go of, of people potentially?
1: I'm not sure. I go back and forth. Uh, like for everything I understand, I don't think there's going to be many more. Now something could come up that I don't just know about that's, that's changed since I was kind of talking to people, but I don't like, I think people, I think the biggest names people want Brian Brown gone. I don't think Brian Brown's being getting fired. I just, I really don't think that um, I think um, maybe there might be some position coach changes, but even then I'm kind of skeptical on. Um, so I, I think setup is going to fill those three positions add some stuff to, to like the recruiting staff because they do need to add pieces there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think they're going to try to just, I think they're going to try to really hit the transporter hard. I think I know they're trying to get a lot of size up front um, and try to uh, ch- adjust things going into next year. But I, I don't think if people are expecting wholesale staff changes, I, I just don't see that happening.
2: We've got uh, not gotten a chance to talk to you since signing day. Recruiting has obviously been a big topic of conversation yeah. with Satterfield. Uh, just your overall thoughts on the class of twenty two, um, and uh, just a two parter here. What? Who's the guy that uh, you're really like the most excited about? Oh, uh, and then from the portal, who is the guy
1: that you think next year makes the biggest impact? Uh, I mean, I think the guy you're most excited about has to be Popeye. Uh, I think. I mean, he. he He's getting all the love from the Under Armour camp from the under Armour game. I, I think he has a chance and it's deep in the line. He gets to place of absolute need. So <laughs> I I think he has a chance to be a stud. I, I really do. I'm actually also on the opposite side, like I think you're obviously excited about Devon Mortimer. I think he can make an impact special teams wise. But I'm really interested to see what the spring looks like for Caleb Johnson. I, I think mm-hmm. he's good, man. I think people Same. you yep. overlook getting go straight to twenty twenty three because you see Pierce Clarkson and you see the four star and you see where he's what he does in California. But I think this kid is going to be really good. He had a tremendous senior year in high school. He's going to get immediate reps with um, with Evan Connolly um, out from, for most of the spring at least. So um, I think that's the biggest question right now is what happens with Louisville quarterback-wise going a- after this season because Malik's not going to be around the next mm-hmm. after this season. So um, I think he has a chance to be really good. And I think one more name is Chris Bell. I, I think Louisville, I mean, Louisville loves this kid. He, yeah. they, they think he can. he has a chance to be a guy who, if he can come in learn the playbook and not just learn the playbook but just know what to do um when things break down he has he could he could get on the field man he's big he, he's fast they, they 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 love him right now so i think that's another another recruit um or another freshman coming in i think transfer wise um I th- I'm excited about Mohamed Sanogo. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, but if that's what it reads like. So I'm going to say that.
0: We'll take it. And we're not exactly <laughs> yeah. experts over here with pronouncing exactly. names. So it, it's a pass so, with us.
1: Right. So I mean, I think that's a position of need. But I think the most exciting transfer, I mean, I think it has to be Taiwan Evans. I think he has a chance to come in and be um, a, a, just a really a, a stud at running back, depending on how that, how that running back room shapes up. And, yeah. and I will say this. I will say this really quick on the recruiting class. I thought it's better than most people give it credit for right now. I, you had 13 spots or whatever they had, I, and they got they ended up pulling three, four stars out of it. I, I just, if this class was bigger and it was the same kind of rate of three-star and four-star recruits, you would be talking about, like, you would love this class. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I just right. think you look at the – rankings have such a big deal to do with the size of the class more than the average ranking or average – um like ability of the class I yeah the little, per I've average players here
0: the per average uh, i think i remember doing the numbers like right before signing day the per average and this was before mortimer uh, mortimer joined the fold and right. bumped that up the per averages i think were like the top two or three in the recruiting ranking era like since like 2002 or something like that i mean right there, there's qual there's not might not be quantity there but there's certainly quality there's there and, lot and because of quality, guys. Yeah. And because people only see like, oh, this class is ranked 61st, 60 62nd, 60 whatever the number end up being, they, they automatically think it's a bad class. It's, it's right. not a bad class. It's just a small class.
1: Right. And, I, and it's, it's tough to recruit when you have such a small class because you offer kids and you, can't, you have to be like, listen, I, we got to hold out because we want someone else. And you have to wait and wait and wait and just hope to God that Chris Bell flips to you. You have to hope to God Devon Mortimer flips to you. And I think everything broke pretty well for Louisville relatively in this class. I look at – I mean, I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's one that there's a lot of excitement um, for some guys on, on this class, for sure.
2: Yeah, and the portal. I mean, I uh, we talked about the offseason. Yeah. but My big thing was, one, Scott Satterfield getting to a microphone and saying, we, we underachieved, we've got to do better. Check. All right? He did that first. The second thing was get to the portal and find – power five football players not just guys yeah. from the fcs level right. not guys from the group of five or the non-power five i thought they they've done a great job with that mj griffin being the one who's not power five but i mean the kid uh, he absolutely is a fit here and this a safety right. position. uh and uh, the other thing i laugh i'm sitting here laughing you are talking about this being a small class it's hard to call the class small when you've got a guy like to Thomasson thomas and oh yeah
1: three three hundred twenty five <laughs> pounds
2: we have we have talked about this kid probably more than any recruit in the last uh, year of the show i just, just give me your thoughts on him. I mean, I love it if they can get this kid on the field in year one, man. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be super giddy.
1: Man, I, I, I have from the moment I heard of this kid, I have had like like I don't say dreams, but just like imagining a defensive line that if they could figure out how to do it. I don't know if you could or not, but a defensive line with Tufik Thomas and Caleb Banks on the field at the same time. It, <laughs> we've we've literally absolute...
2: dreamed that up here as well. We've talked yeah, about that quite a bit. It's
1: insane. That's some beef so right I, there. Yeah, I think it's just the sheer size they needed. And I, I don't know that Topic Thomas comes in and is an impact guy right away. He, I mean, I think at times it's hard for big guys like that to transit transition so quickly because they're so used to just overpowering people at high school. Um, and that's not the case in, high, in college. So it may be a little bit of a transition for him. But I think he, I mean, he fits Louisville's defense perfectly. I think exactly what they needed up front. Um, and I think they need more guys like that uh, for sure. All right, we'll
2: get you out of here on this. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds unfiltered takes on Baker Mayfield. Go.
1: I don't know who you talk about. Who are you talking about?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that you would get a like trade this man. I can't do it anymore. Case Keenan is better. Uh, man,
1: listen, listen, man. I have I, I Chris the Christmas game with four picks was just awful. I I um I'm done. I mean, uh, the season's over. We're not going to make the playoffs. It is what it is at this point. I, I, I want them to throw the entire pre-agency cap at Aaron Rodgers. If you don't want to go back to Green Bay, and if Ooh. you don't retire, go get Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, if not, I think they have to do something like Tennessee did with Mariota. Um, keep, give him another shot. Go get a veteran like they did with Ryan Tannehill. And if he sucks the first couple of weeks of the season, bench him and move on with your veteran. But, like, he sucks, man. He's terrible. He's just – God, he's awful.
0: Yeah, now, I I I'm wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt on Baker Mayfield through much of the season, but then I actually sat down and watched a couple of Browns games like last month and I'm like, oh my God, he's Baker's awful. terrible.
2: He's yeah, he he. Here's my hot take on Baker. He should have never won that Heisman. Lamar should have won that Heisman, man. Yeah, he sure. had better stats than he did the year he won the Heisman. He won the Island, yeah. Louisville was cheeks that year, and you can't give yeah. it to a 7-5 and five Louisville player. You know how it goes. But all right, well, this has been fantastic. As always, be sure to follow Cameron's work over at the Courier Journal. Be sure to subscribe and read all that good stuff there. You can follow him at CJ underscore Teague on Twitter. Cam, I uh, appreciate you jumping on, and we'll uh, definitely be having you on back soon with Keith to, to break the season down, man
1: appreciate you guys having me for
2: sure we've got more great episodes coming this week including our air force recap as we sit down and talk about what happened on the field you can check out the big three headlines and just game notes in that episode we'll also sit down with a special guest later this week to talk about the Louisville Cardinals from a national perspective and what you can expect uh, moving forward under the Scott Satterfield regime